Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Doc Blitz. Like Han Solo coming out of Carbonate, we are back. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is out of the deep freeze, and we are thrilled to be back with you again. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. It's good to be back, Dave. We, you know, Rick and Nick, we guys, thanks for covering for two years. We got this. It's been how long since there's been any episode? They haven't done anything. They've no. done squat. That's so be- here we are. That's because classic them, they're too big for the show that bears their name. They're off doing other things. They think, oh, sure, we can just record an episode anytime. And then you and I are like, hey, can we get back in and record one? And they're like, they they didn't even give a verbal indication, just kind of a wave of the hand, like, whatever. Let's see, if you, so. let's see how many people get you get this reference. So since Luke and Bo Duke can't do it, uh, Vance and Coy are coming in again to bring the flag forward. No, you don't get that. Oh reference. man, I wish I did. Dukes of Hazard. They, oh, oh, they had okay. to recast the leads that's for like right. half a season yep, or whatever. That's right. Okay, now it makes total sense because I've only watched a little bit of Dukes of Hazard, <laughs> so that the reference makes sense now because I have definitely heard that before. But that was the jumping of the shark. That's right. There, that shows personal jumping of the shark yeah. moment. Has another franchise jumped the shark? We're going to discuss that today, oh. sadly. But first, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. Great place to go catch a movie. In fact, Dave and I are recording this on a Tuesday, and Tuesday is, is an especially nice time to go because of $5 movie nights on Tuesdays. They have great deals that go on there on Tuesdays. Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. It is the place to go in Bemidji for catching a movie. Yeah, I was just there uh, this week, saw the new Terminator movie. and Oh, yeah? Yeah, liked it. Okay. And I was talking with Missy and the crew, and uh, it gets, it's a good staff there. Great spot to go see a movie, and uh, yeah, big, big, big fan. Really quick, um, we, we are not sure when this is actually being posted, so we're not sure when you are listening to this right now. True. But with that in mind, with the little pause that we've had and with what's to come, Dave, any movies you've either seen or are waiting to see that you are that you really feel inclined to discuss briefly here? At the time that we're recording this, we're about to have uh, Ford versus Ferrari come out. Yes, coming out as as we're recording this this upcoming weekend. That one looks really good, and you don't have to be a car person. It's not really about the cars; it is, but it isn't. It's about the guys. I've heard the balance is really good yeah. in that regard, that you don't just have to be a car person to go to this movie, that there's also really good human drama intrigue involved, and when you have Matt Damon and Christian Bale, that really helps. Should be called Batman versus uh, Jason Bourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. I'm, I was actually talking with some friends about it just this past weekend, and I would like to go see that here at some point in the near future there's a difference between yeah i'd like to see that movie and i'm going to that movie this i believe for a lot of people are this is i'm going to this movie yeah i agree i was just talking with somebody you know say nothing about movies with all the cgi and explosions and aliens and all 
you know, I just want a good movie. I don't need all the, okay, this is exactly what you've asked for. This is a good movie with good actors and good performances that, as far as I'm aware, there is no CGI. There might be, I don't know, but minimally. Yeah. Uh, you. This is what you wanted. Go see it. Because there's, there's a lot of movies that come out that are good movies that people don't see them. Like right now in theaters, number one this weekend was uh, Midway, which is Roland Emmerich about the World War II battle. It was number one at the box office. But reviews are not all that good. It came out for Veterans Day weekend, so people did see it, but they're like, eh. Meanwhile, Dr. Sleep, Stephen King's sequel to The yes. Shining, is getting spectacular reviews. Really good movie, but it's not doing well at the box office. So I don't think it got promoted very well. I think that's part of it, and I think, why would you put out a horror movie a week after Halloween? Why not the week of Halloween or leading into Halloween? Right. You get a built-in audience why wouldn't you do that? Once you flip the calendar to November, and I too am a big Halloween fan, but once you go to November first, it's it's over. There weren't really that many horror movies that would have had to compete yeah. with anyway, so it would have been timely to bring it back a couple of weeks. But that's just us yeah. saying that. But we're not the dumbest people either. We're we're wise ish. Really quick, what did you think of Terminator? Because I have a movie I'm looking forward to that I learned some new news about. But what did you think of Terminator? Well, I liked it. I really did. I think it's, for those of you that don't know, it is essentially Terminator 3 Part 2. It's the new Terminator 3. So it ignores everything following T2, and uh, this is the new sequel to that. So anything from Terminator 3, Salvation, Genesis, is all wiped off the map for this one, and this is the direct follow-up. And there are some moments of controversy in the very, very beginning that I will not say because we're not going to see spoilers yet. Consistency problems? No, it's it was a decision problem that one that James Cameron. I'll tell you what I will. I'll I'll give you a ten second earmuff cover. So and uh, don't do it yet. But uh, when I say you want to cover your ears if you have not seen and want to see the movie, um, but uh, there's in the very, very opening scene, the most controversial scene. Here's where you cover your ears and count to 10, starting now. They killed John Connor. In the look of Eddie Furlong, they brought him back and made him look like he did in T2, and he's off before the credits. End of embargo. So that moment right there changes the dynamic of what the movies have been, usually okay, have always I'm been. Confused. I it won't elaborate too much, but it goes in a different direction that I don't, I, I argue is a very good direction i really liked it. yeah because it changes almost the entire premise upon which the series is built but i think in a lot of ways you kind of need to do that you know you can't just well i think some change is a good thing you don't want to lose at the heart what you have and i don't think they've done that i think they've done well but if it's the same thing in a different box every time then it becomes a little repetitive and that might have something to do like terminator 3 or the original terminator 3 the original uh, I liked it. I, w- I went into that movie thinking, all right, when the movie's over, how much am I going to wish they didn't do another one? And I didn't. I liked it. The ending visually is very gripping of yeah. that movie. That was what I took away from yeah. that movie. Is like, wow, when you, you see it all, all go at and the that, end of that movie. And that's part of it. Every Terminator movie is heading that off. This one wasn't about heading it off. It, this wasn't about trying to stop Judgment Day. This was about us surviving Judgment Day. And that's how Terminator 3 ends. This one takes another direction and I argue it's needed. I argue it's a good one. And when what comes after that happens, it's it's good and it feels organic and it feels natural and it's 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 good. And I liked the movie generally. I think this is going to be one of those movies that's not doing well box office wise, but when it starts coming out on Netflix or whatever streaming platform, people are going to see it. 
People are this was actually a pretty good movie, did, and it'll be one of those. It did get pretty good reviews overall, yeah. too. So I think that did reflect a little bit. But is there an ending to it, or is there room for more, potentially? There's always going to be room for more. Um, in fact, I think James Cameron, who came back to produce this movie, this is the first time he's had anything to do with a right. Terminator movie since T2. He doesn't direct it, he doesn't write it, but he kind of consulted on the story and uh, some of the elements, in fact, the most controversial one that I gave a spoiler alert for, is uh, was his idea. So if, okay. it's, if it's coming from him and he's the guy that started the whole thing, you're like, well, That's all, saying all right, something. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give a little credence. But I saw it and I've seen every Terminator movie. I've, I liked them. Uh, I liked them all to a point. I think Salvation is by far the least good. This one is the best sequel with the exception of Terminator 2. I mean, Great. You can't okay. beat T2, but it was good. That's what a lot of people who like the series have said, so that's pretty encouraging Yeah, that, that it's been as good as you say and as good as other people have said, too. Yeah. So I'm just, I've always wondered with Terminator, what are they working toward? Are they working toward a, a resolution, or is it just toward more stories within this general plot idea? I th- and I think it's more the latter. You know, I think that, uh, and we've, we've talked about another idea for a show that would kind of tie into this a little bit. I think uh, a lot of those movies following T2, James Cameron wasn't involved, I think, because he had told his story. But that's not to and say And the television that, show, speaking of shows. Yeah, but he didn't have anything to do with Sarah Connor Chronicles, which I was here was a great show. I've seen a few episodes of it, and I did like what I saw. Um, but they, well, let's make another movie to make another movie. And in a lot of cases, the producers got the rights to it, had no idea what they wanted to do with it, but let's do something with it so we can make some money off of it. And I think part of the reason that this movie, even though it's a good movie, isn't doing well, is that a lot of the goodwill from the fans has evaporated because you put out another one and another one and another that are no good or are less than they should have been. And we're just making a movie to make a movie. This one seems like, hey, we've really got an idea here. Right. Let's do it. And they did, and I would say they did good. But that's me. Here's my piece of movie news on a movie that I am really looking forward to. Uh, Now, Ford versus Ferrari, I am planning to go see. But the movie, apart from Rise of Skywalker, which we'll get into here shortly, the movie that I am most looking forward to seeing before the year is up is 1917, when it comes out at the end of this year. And I learned a piece of news about this new movie, which is directed by Sam Mendes, that just adds to my excitement for it. According to reports, this movie is going to be a single-shot film. Ooh. That really excites me. And based on what I've seen from the trailer, I can see how they are planning to do this. You'll have to describe on a technical level what is a single so shot. So with a single shot, you you are basically working with one shot throughout the entirety of the movie and, and just following along in continuous sequence. Not cutting between one angle and another angle. Yeah, or even it appears... We may not be cutting across time either. This may be continuous. Shown in real and time. straight through. Yeah, apparently I'm seeing it might be a real time kind of thing as well in addition to being a single shot, not cutting from angles like you said. We saw this with a previous Sam Mendes movie where he did a sequence of it and that was at the beginning of Spectre in the yeah. scene in Mexico City. There's an amazing single shot beginning to that movie that's done for only... About a minute and a half, two minutes. Imagine a full movie of single shot like this. And I was reading an article where they were talking about how there have been movies in recent years that have done a little bit more of this or have kind of done some focused on this kind of cinematography in in more specified ways that with some of the new camera technology, 
that exists out there. It's allowed for for movies to be filmed in this way a little bit more creatively. Like the guy who who did the cinematography or the shooting behind Blade Runner 2049 and won an Oscar for it is the guy who is going to be doing this movie. So that's pretty exciting when when you think about this idea of doing single shot like that. I, I'm really looking forward to how it comes off in this movie. You know, from One of the things about Sam Mendes is he's usually got a really good story. But this man is an artist when it comes to, he doesn't just point and shoot. He really crafts. Whether you're talking James Bond or you're talking American Beauty or Angels in America, any of it, he's good. He's really, really good. And uh, I look forward to, he's becoming like a new Spielberg in a way. He doesn't have the same Spielberg vibe, but he's to the point where I would watch anything by Spielberg. I don't care what it is. And Sam Mendes is starting to get to that point where I would watch about anything he's done. Road to Perdition, great movie. Um, yeah, I'm big, big fan. Yeah, so that was a cool piece of news that I learned about the movie forthcoming yeah. that has me all the more excited about the potential of what may be coming with this movie, which I think could... I, I think they're looking at releasing it at the end of the year, even going into next year. I think it's a limited re- release on Christmas yeah. and then a wide release it makes in it early el- January. It makes and it eligible for the Oscars so it that does. it does come out this year so that come February it'll be up for Oscars. That's right. So that that gives me even more promise. It's like, hey, maybe, maybe this has got some real promise awards-wise too, and maybe that just adds credence to this could be a very good movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to it. I got time off Christmas to New Year's. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I am planning to go where whether I'm back home or back here in time. I you and I ought to go check that right. out together. All so right. all right. Um let's get into what we are discussing today. And and we are This is gonna be a little of a different kind of episode because we don't usually dabble in a lot of rumor and conjecture, but we are this time. Because the rumor and conjecture in many ways is reflective of a larger problem that has existed for some time, or several problems. And that is the rumor, con- the rumors that are concerning Rise of Skywalker, the final in the newest trilogy of Star Wars movies that will be released uh, here coming in December. And Star Wars in general, in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of... What's, what we're going to be talking about is some of the issues that have become quite evident for things that are already out whether it's a lot of talent leaving, whether it's fans leaving, and a lot of conjecture going in and what the hopes are for the future. Just as we're recording this, Disney Plus just launched last this, this morning at midnight. It did. So The Mandalorian has got the first chapter out, which is as of tonight, I'm going to subscribe and watch it. But the reviews on that are fantastic, and that's good, and that's hopeful. But on the big screen, we are talking code red here. We might have some real problems. Dave, you are the keeper of the information, and you have, well, when I say information, keep in mind, this is a lot of rumor and conjecture, because the movie is not out for a month. But there is some, there is growing chatter that there are problems. This exists. A lot of it has been pretty evident, and I really, I want to go on record. Star Wars is the very first, we've talked about it before, Star Wars is the first movie I've ever seen, and I'm a huge fan. I grew up with Star Wars. And it's one of the first I saw growing up. Yeah, so I feel kind of in a way like a gatekeeper of Star Wars, and that it's it's been, it's it really has been for not just me, but for a lot of pop culture, a holy grail, so to speak. And so when it gets, you know, less than what it should get, 
you kind of grit your teeth a little bit and you just kind of, come on, we can do better. And whether it was George Lucas finally hanging it up when he was his storytelling abilities, I would argue, were diminishing with the prequel trilogy. A lot of apprehension with Disney buying it. Force Awakens comes out, and there was legitimate criticism that it was very close to the A New Hope story wise, and it is. Yes, but it was a pleasing movie, and it and the fans, most of them anyway, walked away like, well, it could have been better, but it was good, and and that's fine as long as you can walk out of a movie, you know, really, really entertained by it is good. And then The Last Jedi comes out, and you and I and some other people went and saw it, and we had a huddle in the lobby right after we'd come out in hush tones, because people that hadn't seen it were about to go. We didn't want to spoil it. And it really took me a year and a half, I think, to realize how much I did not like that movie. I wanted to, and I was battling internally before I realized, no, I, I can't defend it. The movie just... No. In a general thought, isn't it weird how that works sometimes where you go into a movie and I have done this before where you are a huge, huge fan and you go into a movie and you leave it going, that was awesome or I like this or I like that. And then you go upon further reflection and you realize there were some issues with that movie and it wasn't quite all that I build it up to be. Not that it's always bad then, but that maybe it wasn't all I made it out to be as soon as I stepped out of the theater. Now there were things that I liked about Last Jedi, but like you, there was a lot that I left immediately after seeing that movie going, okay, we've got a problem here. Or they have fixed some things maybe from Force Awakens, but they have created some massive problems otherwise. So there's issues with the stories. There's issues behind the scenes. There's been a lot of talent, top talent that have been involved in Star Wars that are leaving. And first of all, you got the showrunners from Game of Thrones, Benioff and Weiss. They just recently walked out the door and took on a big deal with Netflix instead. That's alarming. And there are, there's talk that because of the ending of Game of Thrones, which season eight was, did they destroy everything that came before? I mean, it was that rough. And was that a factor? And look, we don't want that involved in Star Wars. Who can say? You know, Maybe down the road the rumors will come to truth, but... So what we're going to be talking about today is the larger thing, not just for Rise of Skywalker and what's happened, but so is it rumor and conjecture? Yes. But where there's smoke, there's fire, and there is a lot of smoke. And some of it is rumor, some of it is confirmed, and we're going to find out soon enough. Does the smoke involve Snoke? Uh, I don't know, (laughs) to tell the truth. I just thought of that because it was clever, but um, I, I still want to know what his role was in this but maybe we'll learn that but anyway so where what, there's smoke there's fire on the production of all yeah this. and we're also going to give you another fair warning if you're listening to this prior to rise of skywalker coming out and you haven't seen it yet which at the time we're recording it nobody has seen it yet uh then you're probably not going to want to listen because we're going to talk spoilers as far as what is the rumors regarding spoilers those could always change as obviously the movie's not out yet. They could possibly tweak something. So be very forewarned. If you want to avoid Star Wars spoilers, now would be a good time to just, you know, click the listen to this later button if there is one and uh, and listen to this somewhere after <laughs> to bookmark New Year's. this page. Yeah, listen to this after Christmas when the Rise of Skywalker is out. Uh, so you have been forewarned. There could be some spoilers. And I got a feeling that a lot of what we're going to talk about will be confirmed when the rumors turn to truth. Um, there's potentially six different versions of Rise of Skywalker, from what I've heard, and one of them will turn out to be the version that comes out. And so some of the potential spoilers could exist in one of those versions and not another one, so we'll see. How in the world so, did we come to the point where there are six different versions of a movie? 
You know, that that in and of itself is not only troubling, it, it blows my mind because that that says that you have some real problems as far as what is the story that you are trying to craft. Yeah. You know, even the original Star Wars trilogy with George Lucas, they, in essence, worked on that story as they went, you know? Because the the whole idea of Vader being Luke's father did not actually come into the picture until they were planning and working on Empire Strikes Back. True. And when I learned that, I was like, wow, they they really did kind of mold the story as they went, which is kind of fascinating because with a lot of the good tales that you hear today, a lot of the, the showrunners, whether it's a TV show or the, the movie directors, they usually have a plan in terms of this is the end game that we want to get to. This is what we are working toward. But but that was kind of proof that even if you are kind of making it up and work quote unquote because that it sounds kind of glib but it's that's not the total truth it's like even if you are working on it and molding it as you go it can still be well crafted and it can still have a an end in mind um, and and it can still come together pretty well but with this recent trilogy of Star Wars they have had such problems with crafting the story. As they've gone, and now it has brought us to the point where, because of fandom, which we will discuss at length as well, and because of reaction, which has been swift, it has now left them at a point of insecurity to the point of having six different versions on this movie. If that's true, that's according crazy. According to rumor, yeah. yeah. according to rumor. Sometimes having things craft themselves organically, like the original trilogy did, despite what George Lucas would say, oh, I always had an idea of a, of a triple trilogy. Yeah, but no, that came eventually, but it wasn't as far formed as he would let you believe from the get-go. Now, when he did the prequel trilogies, yeah, it was pretty well mapped out. But there's something to be said about not having everything figured out because the prequel trilogy, he knew he was going to start here and end here. He knew that. How he got there, some of it felt forced, and it didn't really always work. Sometimes organically is is best. But whether whether there's two and there's two schools of thought here with this pre with a sequel trilogy, there was an an overall arc that was just bare bones, a skeletal structure, so to speak, and each director could flesh it out how they wanted, so long as they followed the arc and go all the way to the end, and they would know where they're going to because you know this will be the end as far as the Skywalker saga. So it needs to come to a particular point. The other possibility is that there wasn't necessarily an overall arc. But it was, you know, we're going to come up with my adventure. I'm going to leave you some plot threads that you can pick up in the next one and go where you're going to go. Maybe you know where you're going to get to at the end, but how we get there is up to each individual director. And then Ryan Johnson, either way, kind of went his own way. He diverted from the from the arc, or he just took all these interesting threads. Who's Snoke? Who was raised parents? Cut them off and went his own direction. You know, one of those two is the truth, and they're really not saying exactly what it was because they don't want to throw them under the bus, but clearly there's some distance being created between them two. So there's that. So you got to look at the overall arc, and that's where a lot of fans are starting to turn their ire toward the producer, Kathleen Kennedy. Now, Kennedy is, she's been involved with both Steven Spielberg and George Lucas going as far back as E.T., which is a Spielberg movie, but she was involved in the Indiana Jones movies and everything else. And so she's been a very capable producer for a very, very long time. 
And just prior to George Lucas selling Lucasfilm to Disney, he appointed her as the head of Lucasfilm. So in essence, she was part of the package deal, and she was sold with Lucasfilm. The keeper to, of the content. Yeah, she wasn't sold, of course, but you know, she was part of the package that was sold to Disney in charge of it. And some fans had thought that, well, maybe it was for George Lucas to safeguard his integrity and knowing that the relationship they'd had, that she would stand up for that. And whether he had said he did or he didn't, the truth is that he did have a sequel, a sequel trilogy treatment written. A very he br- did he did he had said before he never did. No, this is one through six. That's, no, but he had an yeah, idea. He, yeah, he, he had, had an idea. He had said in other times that there was a seven, eight, and nine, and other times he said it wasn't. Well, the truth is there was. He had written a basic outline for seven, eight, and nine that also was handed over to Disney. They looked at it and said, "Nope, we're going to do our own thing." And so there are rumors George Lucas didn't really like that because he went to see episode seven thinking it would resemble what he had written, and it didn't. So um, that's where you start looking at, well, here's where Disney diverged. And whatever Disney decided to do, while Bob Iger is in charge of Disney, Kathleen Kennedy is in charge of Lucasfilm, and she's in charge of each of those movies and over the directors, whether J.J. Abrams or Ryan Abram or uh, Ryan Johnson. But here's where you start running into other problems. Now you've got these guys that are coming in to do these shows that are being let go. You have uh, Michael Arndt who came in to write the the sequel trilogy who was let go. And then Lawrence Kasdan, an old standby, came in and J.J. Abrams did too. You have uh, Miles and Lore that came in to do Rogue One and then they were famously let go. Or Solo rather. They solo, came in to do Solo. Yeah. They were let go and Ron Howard comes in. You had Colin Trevorrow, who was doing the Jurassic World movies. He was going to do episode nine. He was let go. And then in comes J.J. Abrams again. So what is this big overturn in talent in the first place? Why you got these some biggest names in Hollywood today, short of Spielberg, and they're all being let go and being turned away. And a lot of it is part of creative freedom. You know, famously on Solo, we've talked about they were trying to do something much more upbeat and comedic, which is kind of what they're known for, the Lego yeah. movie. And it would have been an interesting movie, but ultimately Ron Howard came in and shot. It's argued exactly how much he shot, but in order to have the director credit, he, by Director's Guild standards, has to have 51% of the movie shot under him. So clearly he directed at least over half the movie. Here's what it has felt like with Star Wars um, as being a Disney property. It feels like Disney is trying to treat them the way that, that they have treated Marvel, and that is that we are going to have you come to this sandbox that has very confined edges to it that for you to play in, but you need to stay within the parameters that we have set. Now with Marvel, it feels like they have set parameters in terms of story and in terms of this this is the kind of the kind of theme and feel that we want to permeate through it. But at the same time, we're going to give you some flexibility. Wouldn't you agree that Marvel has done a pretty good job of loosening the boundaries in some respects within the movies there? Yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily a Disney thing. Disney does have some rules. There's, for example, no smoking. You're not going to smoke in a Disney movie, end of story. Um, And other things, too. But it's not a Disney thing. Disney, I think, as long as the movie is good and is profitable, they're happy. So Don Iger doesn't have direct say over the movies, but he does have say over those producers. With Star Wars, you have Kathleen Kennedy. With Star- with Marvel, you have had Kevin Feige, right. who has very direct, who's had a lot of say, and is now coming over to Star Wars. Would you agree, though, that confines have existed? Oh, that, yeah. That they kind of have set that up. With Star Wars... But who set it up is the question. Right. But with Star Wars, the confines feel like they're much more rigid, yes. don't they? Yes. They, they feel extremely rigid 
to the point where creative flexibility has been squashed and where they are trying to keep it within something that they have crafted in their minds that really, in reality, is not actually all that close to what Star Wars even was originally. So let's talk about that, and this is probably going to be the more controversial aspect of what's going on in Star Wars, and that is the woke culture. Now, the woke culture is almost, it's either one way or the other way. There's no middle ground. And in this case, the woke culture is more about female empowerment. And obviously, sci-fi fans, including Star Wars fans, are, I would think, natural allies to this kind of idea anyway. Princess Leia is a very strong female character in an organic way. Ripley from Alien. Yeah, very strong. She was, you know, in the movie Alien, she's probably one of the least likely to survive that movie but she's strong and capable, but you kind of get the impression she's going to be the Spock to somebody else's Kirk. She kind of blends in throughout the course of that original movie yeah. before then becoming the one who who pulls it out. Yeah, and she's become iconic. So sci-fi is clearly a great spot for this to happen. But then you've got instances, and not just with the woke culture, where something gets rammed down your throat. You're going to see this. You're going to follow this. Uh, and it exists in other ways, too. I mean, whether you're a pro wrestling fan, Roman Reigns being forced to be the new the new guy and fans aren't having it. It's just it's being forced down our throats, not organically. So in the Star Wars issue, Kathleen Ken- what the talk is, is that Kathleen Kennedy is very much of that culture. And by gosh, we're going to make the most iconic female hero of all time, which I think is a great idea. But it has to happen organically. Organically. And it's not. It's being forced down people's throat. I just watched The Force Awakens last night. So here's Ray, very much in parallel to Luke Skywalker from the get-go, a, a nobody who gets pulled into something else and has some sort of an unspoken connection with this mystical force and starts to learn how to do these things. But the problem with Ray is that she's an expert already. You know, she does have some things she needs to learn, but she doesn't really learn them. Nobody teaches her. She just sort of she just can. So that's become a bit of a problem. So here she's going to learn the Force from Luke in The Last Jedi and really doesn't. Luke doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And not only does she get stronger from this, how does she get stronger? It just sort of happens. The problem isn't necessarily with her growing. The problem is with Luke, really. In when, a way. When you, watch, when you watch the movie, it's more so, well, what's Luke's issue rather than what is what is Ray growing through? It's more Ray trying to find herself, and then in reality, it's you're fine as you are. You know, you you're a nobody, but that's okay, there, it, kind of thing. And it's like there needs to be complex development where it is peaks and valleys. That's part of what made Luke's journey so compelling in the original trilogy was that there were peaks and valleys to it as far as his development as a hero. With Ray's development. There haven't necessarily been peaks and valleys. There have been moments of confusion, which are quickly erased by her being naturally good at everything. everything. And that's here's the thing that makes an audience grab onto a character: relatability. You know, even if it's a bad guy character, this person frightens me. I'm scared of Darth Vader. Well, that's the, that's the goal. You know, if you can, if stat, nobody knew when you watched the original Star Wars that it's really Luke's father. Even the filmmakers didn't know that. That added a layer of complexity, and that made the, a really good character an even better character. So, if you have a character that's good at everything, you know, and just by natural, you know, just I'm just that good. It's it's less relatable because people aren't like that in real life. People have challenges they stumbles they need to overcome. It's in writing. There's only X number of of storylines that you can follow really 
that you kind of make your own twists and turns on. Luke Skywalker follows what's called the hero's journey, where it's a nobody that learns something, gets a back step, and then steps forward and finally accomplishes what they're doing. In this case, she's just going through every wall. So now here's where we start coming to an example of what we're talking about. Now, this is a big, big rumor. This is going to be controversial, and this is going to be uh, a huge potential spoiler. Now, like I said, there are six versions of Star Wars the Rise of Skywalker, and this is one of them. Whether this actually happens in the final movie, who knows? But there have been leaks from test screenings that in one of the versions, this does happen. So stay tuned. So here we go. Last chance. Spoiler alert. Grain of salt. Yeah. Big grain of salt, but there's a lot of smoke around this, and I yeah. think that's based around the real fire. So it's, it is not a secret that Ian McDiarmid is back as Emperor Palpatine. The last we saw of Palpatine, chronologically, he was tossed down a shaft by Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi, presumably dead. So now he's coming back in some form. Don't really know exactly what that'll be, but he's back in whatever form it is. The end of the movie, allegedly, The Rise of Skywalker, he gets into a lightsaber battle with Rey and not just loses, but gets the living bejesus stomped out of him. Now, Palpatine has been said in the Star Wars refer- in the Star Wars universe to be the most skilled with a lightsaber. He went up against Yoda in Attack of the Clones, and it was kind of a stalemate. They went at it again. Revenge, in Revenge of the Sith. Re- both of them. And, or, yes, right, Revenge of the Sith. It was uh, Count Dooku in Attack of the Clones. Right. You're right. So, but Yoda's pretty darn good, and he's probably the strongest Jedi that ever lived. Right. So if, if Rey is able to finally defeat Palpatine, and not just by the skin on her teeth, but just wallop him, not only does it say that she could best Palpatine, it also says she's the best of all Jedi ever. I remember seeing Jedi temples where Jedi were having to learn. Anakin is the chosen one, but he needs to be chiseled, and unfortunately they didn't do a good enough job. He fell to the dark side, became Vader. Luke has to go to Dagobah. They all have to learn. We all have to learn. We all go to school. We all go to college, except Ray, who just, oh, just is. And not only is the best, but is by a long shot the best by extension. This is going to nork off the fans in a big-time way. So now the other question is, well, what's the problem with female empowerment? Why can't Ray be the strongest? Well, there's no reason saying she can't be. But in anything that you get, you need to earn what you get. And if you just have these amazing skills and you just are the way that you are, not everybody is Michael Jordan. When it comes to basketball, when it comes to the Jedi arts. But even Michael Jordan had to work on his game. He had natural skill, but you had to polish it. Kylo Ren would be the mirror image here. Even his lightsaber looks incomplete because he hasn't really focused his training. He's got the raw skill and ability, but he just he hasn't quite finished. He's taken the quick and easy path, and I would argue so has Rey. Here's a couple of other examples from not only Star Wars, but also in other movies. Take Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, for example. Part of what's great about those movies is the development of, of the Batman exactly. character, Bruce Wayne, um, of becoming the vigilante, and then all of a sudden he goes from the vigilante... He, well, he becomes the hero, then he becomes the vigilante, and and truly then goes into the darker graces of, of the city and even um, be, has to become the hero they don't deserve. Then in, in the final movie, it's... He has to kind of go away to then kind of come back, in in so to speak. If you haven't seen the movies, there it's not a complete giveaway. We did say spoilers numerous yes, times. Yes, we already. have, we have. But he has to go away, and in order to really come back as the Batman and to be able to kind of be reborn it's, in a it's, sense, it's relatable. And then when it comes to Star Wars as well, 
part of what was satisfying about that final duel between Luke and Vader in Return of the Jedi is the way that Luke had failed in his previously enca- previous encounter with Vader and how he he had rushed in with a rush of personal judgment that he had to go and resolve this when really, no, he needed to go through his training. He needed to go through some development. And that's part of what made Empire Strikes Back so compelling was you're not ready for this. You're not ready to take this on. You are emotionally compromised. Your abilities have been compromised. And that's part of what made his triumph then in Return of the Jedi so impactful was the fact that he had reached that point and there was a poise about him that had him ready to go through that yeah and if if i think if the character of ray had gone through something similar it'd be a different story in a lot of ways and i'm not saying ray is the sole problem here it's just it's one glaring problem um and had there been some development and she's allowed to fail and learn from those abilities there's no reason she can't be and as successful as a Princess Leia or a Ripley or others. And it didn't necessarily have to be along the same path no, yeah. that Luke took either. You can do you can do the hero has to develop kind of story and find a new way to do it. If people are going to say, well, that trope has been done before, that's been used before, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it has, but you can still find a way to put a new spin on it and make it work. Oh, sure. I mean... In a lot of ways, you know, the the role of the Dark Knight Rises or and all those Dark Knight trilogy movies is similar to the role of Skywalker. He rises, he falters, and he rises back from the ashes in a way. It's a very it's a very familiar hero's journey tale where the bones are the same, but the but the the flesh around it are very yeah. different. I mean, underneath we all look the same. It's the same thing, but on the outside it's different. It's how we're formed up. It's no different literally when it comes to doing a literary work or a movie work. So the issue with Ray doing this, so, okay, so we're going to make female empowerment. All right, well, has it been successful? Are more females drawn to this where it's, it's a yay gals? And that would be fine, but it's not working. So you get a lot of long In terms term, of story. And not just yeah. in terms of story, but as far as, you know, what ultimately this is is a business. It's people with their pocketbooks showing up to do it. Is it succeeding? No, it isn't, and the proof is literally at the cash register. You got a, first of all, you got a lot of long-term Star Wars fans that are being alienated, and not just the guys, but the gals too. I got some friends that are gals that are hardcore Star Wars fans, and they're not liking this. Some are, some aren't. A lot of them aren't, and beyond even that. So the Last Jedi comes out, and like we said, there was a lot of ooh. That's become almost a polarizing moment when it came to Star Wars. Six months after that, Solo came out. And for lack of a better term, it was boycotted. People didn't go see the movie. Well, it's Star Wars. What do you mean they're not going to go see the movie? They're not seeing the movie. They need to send a message. Six right. months after Last Jedi, we didn't like this. The next one's coming out. No, 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 no. We're not going to see it. That's not to say Solo isn't a good movie. I liked it. It's a good popcorn movie. Despite its production problems, it turned out to be a good movie. I liked it too. They yeah. were going to make a trilogy out of those and spun off of it, but that's not going to happen now. So now we have the, the the rise of Skywalker coming. You also have the opening of a brand new Disney park next to Magic Kingdom, Dis- uh, Galaxy's Edge at both Disneyland and Disney World. Despite opening week crowds, it ain't really pulling in the people. This is Star Wars Land. Why why isn't Star Wars Land working when this is all this is for the kids? It ain't working for a couple of reasons. One, there's another side quantity of this when it comes to dollars is that. George Lucas made most of his money on Star Wars, including the merchandising rights. That was a huge part of what made George Lucas money. 
I the rumors are that he still maintains that. So when you sell a Luke Skywalker doll, the money, whatever percentage of that is going to George Lucas, not necessarily Disney. I'm sure they get some of that. So now you've got a revised version of everything. The stormtroopers look a little more modern. That money's not going to George Lucas. That's a Disney creation. That's going to go to Disney. So you go to the Galaxy's Edge. Does it look like anything you'd seen in the original trilogy or prequel trilogy, other than the Millennium Falcon parked in the middle of it? It's all new. It's at some other planet with other aliens, and it, you don't see. It's not Hoth. It's not Tatooine. It's not anything familiar. Not the iconic stuff. It's yeah. set in the new universe, so yeah. that Disney can feature that. Hmm. You're not seeing a lot of the old iconic characters, and when they do come back, they're kind of relegated to the back. And maybe that's not the worst thing either. What does it come down to? It comes Ownership down, of entity. Exactly. But yeah. the problem is you're trying to bring in more money and it's failing because you're alienating a built-in fan base. You're going to have it our way, not the other way. And that's another big problem with things. Uh, so is this succeeding for Disney? Are they making the money? Are they making what they wanted to do when George Lucas handed them the blueprints? And they said, no, nope, we're going to go our own way. Can you now justify that that is the issue. You got a lot of top talent walking away because they've got some directions they'd like to go and they're being told no. So that begs the question, well, why was Ryan Johnson allowed to wander off a little bit and into the weeds and do his own kind of thing? There's there's rumors that between he and Kathleen Kennedy, they both share the, the woke culture idea and so he was allowed to uh, expand a little bit because his ideas were more in line with what the producer wanted and that's where they went. But, you know, you've got a lot of great talent coming in, and J.J. Abrams is very, very talented, but one of the things he's been criticized for is that he plays it too safe, oftentimes, and Force Awakens is one of those. It's a pleasing movie, but it felt very, very familiar and comforting, which I would yes. I, I would argue that at that point, that's kind of what Star Wars fans needed, I think. They needed a more of an embrace, because they weren't necessarily loving where the prequel trilogy had gone. Right. And there's justifiable criticism. I could see both sides of the argument. And while I agree Star Wars needed to go in some new directions, which later it did, and that's partially where it got it into trouble, I think going where fans really wanted it to go was almost partially needed, not entirely. It's certainly worthy of criticism, but it's not the worst thing. But where they went after that seemed to betray a lot of things that had come before, Luke Skywalker in particular. Quick bunny trail. Abrams was willing Bloody to do trail. the Kelvin. <laughs> Ab- Abrams was willing to do the Kelvin universe type of split in in Star Trek, so he's not totally conservative. True in that regard, but that's just one example. True, I mean, but that also ties into what we just said, and I think we talked about that in the Star Trek episode. Everything in the Kelvin universe looks different, and this is just a quick sidebar. And one of the reasons it might look different is because of financials. Yes. So if you sell a Kirk doll that looks like William Shatner in the same uniform, that money goes to uh, CBS. Paramount had a licensing option. Of course, this is all done now because Star Wars is right. Star Trek's coming back together. Thankfully, CBS and Viacom are now rejoined. Yeah. So this is hopefully not going to be a problem. But it was for a while. So why did they do everything so different? Because J.J. had a stake in, with his Bad Robot production, into original merchandising, which means Kelvin Universe, which does not mean everything looks the same. If they, with Star Trek uh, Discovery, had the Enterprise show up, which they did, if they had had the exact version from the original series, not only would it maybe not hold up on today's scrutiny, but it would be a familiar design that they don't get the rights to, they don't get merchandising rights to, so if they change it enough, then they can get merchandising themselves off this new version that might be something very similar that's tying into Star Wars. If it's different and it's our version and we have the stamp on it, we get the money yep. reference. So it comes down to money and not 
chronology, not canon, and fandom is not happy about it. And see, that's where I think there are two things that really pop out when it comes to this this entire saga of its own. Number one is how frustrating it is when it comes to ownership of an entity and who has the creative rights to an entity and and creative pieces to it. You know, with this feels like a pride issue as well as a we want to make our own money kind of issue rather than we want to make a story that is going to be really consistent um, with what has come before. It, it's Disney saying, and and kind of with pride as well as with a sense of, we want to make our own money. No, you've got your idea. We don't want to give you an avenue to maybe make your money though, George. We're going to go and create our own story. And now they have kind of made their own bed in some respects with the way that the story has lost consistency. Number two, and maybe this is the more egregious thing because it comes back to the people who make this whole thing go, and that is just how toxic fan culture yeah. has become today in in the in the pop culture world. Look at what happened with Game of Thrones, Dave. It was it, the vitriol was kind of stunning, yeah. and yet at the same time, was it really all that shocking? The way that people reacted. You can have your opinions on on how it ended, but. It almost got nonsensical. I would agree. I, I, I have a rudimentary knowledge of Game of Thrones. Um, the books, the the movies, I, I not the movies, the, the show, they were practically movies, though. Um, yeah. the, I mean, I have a rudimentary knowledge of it, but I know enough to know that they, they really did seemingly hurry along a lot of what they did in that final season of the series. And and yet, at the same time, people people's reaction was, was so harsh with the way that they responded with star wars do i dislike what they have done with these movies yes was i concerned about this all along yes when disney bought star wars i had massive concerns that this was going to happen of trying to create and add on to the story and do so in a way that would maybe not have a whole lot of direction to it but I think that the the fandom that supports this has been part of what has led to all of this happening. You, you talked about the woke culture a little bit, and I, I think that is the producers trying to to bow to many groups of people and say, you're, you're crying out for this, we're going to give you this. You're crying out for this, we're going to give you this. You want this plot point, we're going to give you this plot point. You want this to be a part of it, we're going to... To the point where none of those things feel organic. Well, Where and, if you would want to if you would want to incorporate those things into the movies and into the story, you could do so in a way that feels less forced. Much like with product placed kind of characters and moments, like the Porgs, when people saw those in the trailer for for the Last Jedi, people were like, "Merch, new merchandise." Do you want to know right something interesting there. about the Porgs? Do you sure. know why the Porgs were created? Why? So where they filmed those scenes on Skelling Michael, which is an Ireland island, they're all over that place. And these birds that are flying around, and they you can't get them off because it's a preserve. It's, you cannot get them out. So well, how do we get in every shot? There are these bird things. Well, what if we incorporate them into the show? And we make them some sort of an alien bird up close. <laughs> That's where the porks came from to explain 
why they're there. And since they had to create them anyway, like, well, we'll just kind of do a little. I don't think they distracted away. Are they a merchandising opportunity? Yeah. Yes. But it was really a solution to a problem is where it came from. So That is clever. Yeah, See, I that's agree. Clever. And that's that, clever. And when you learn something like that, it's like, well, okay. It kind of makes sense. That, that does. But then when you put it in the trailer, it's like. Yeah, it came across. March. Yeah. It could have just popped up in the movie yeah. in the midst of it and be like, well, this is a pleasant surprise. What What's this? What have we got here? Yeah. You know, it's something like that. But It's something to give your kiddos to cuddle when they go to uh, bed. Here's a, here's but, a preview. But then you put it in the trailer and it's like, well, now it feels like you're you're bringing this upon us. Um, so let's let's talk real quick about this woke culture and this, and this in general thing. I think, to be very, very clear, I think, you know, empowerment of any group that feels oppressed, whether it's a racial thing or a sex thing or any of that stuff, is, is a good idea. But sometimes it gets to the point in this day and age where you're either one thing or another thing and there's no in between. So you go back to, say, the female Ghostbusters example for part of the woke culture and the big pushback on it. And if you were against the movie, then you were immediately pigeonholed as a sexist, misogynist twit. And I, I think there's certainly occasions where that was the case. I mean, Leslie Jones, one of the one of the cast members, very famously got some really ugly stuff headed her direction. That's inexcusable. That's toxic fandom. Right. But if you were against the movie, just I saw the movie. I thought it was okay, but not great. Well, somebody, well, then you're just a sexist. No, I'm not. If it was a good movie. That's, that's on the other side of the spectrum. That is yeah. that is the opposite side of the same problem. If you got sexist, misogynist twits that aren't going to like it simply because it's girls, then shame on them. But if you're going to pigeonhole people that didn't like the movie on its artistic merits, I, I think that... Uh, I think that whole cast, Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy, they're they're great actresses. They're great comedic talents, but the movie wasn't very good. Right. Doesn't mean that I'm a sexist twit. I didn't think Ghostbusters 2 was a great movie, and that's the same cast. They could have done better. Nobody pigeonholed me as a misogynistic twit. So it's it becomes the point where it's toxic on both sides. And I'm already seeing this in some respects for Rise of Skywalker because one of the rumors and and one of the things that people think we are maybe building toward is the redemption of Ben Solo in this movie. That Kylo Ren is going to be redeemed as Ben Solo and that he will make a full pivot and that Rey is going to be a big part of that. And there are fans out there who are going, well, he doesn't deserve that. Look at the things that he has done in the past, including torturing Rey, including doing all of this Look and all Vader that. Look what Vader did. You're, you're, saying, you're saying that's that's toxic masculinity or that it's okay or that... Well, in many ways, Star Wars has been a story of redemption from the beginning. Didn't Anakin slaughter that, a whole room of little kids in right, Revenge of the Sith? And that people can change. And that it doesn't excuse things they have done in the past, but that they can change as people. That's been one of the themes that has permeated through the series. Are you going to dismiss that in favor of what your what your view of the world is and say, well, because that's that is in many ways doing what you are seeking to do by, you know, saying, you know, let's let's get this or get that in there. Let's get these people in here. Well, then you're also saying, well, let's cut this off rather than can a person change? Maybe we need to consider that, too. I would agree. I think there's there's a lot of positivity that can be made. That's just one example. And that again, that's a if this whole which I would love if that's the direction the story goes. Like, I, I yeah. love the redemption idea that has 
come through Star Wars so often. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the the Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo story has been somewhat organic. Clearly, he's got some sort of a connection with Rey. Are that both- was one of the best parts of The Last Jedi, was the connection between the two of them. And I know people are shipping Raylo in a big way and wanting that to happen, and the the romantic in me kind of wants that to happen as whoa, well. Whoa, whoa, time out now. Leia kissed Luke and they found out they were brother sister. Well, let's let's be careful yeah, now. Yeah, but I have a feeling there will be some sort of connection. There are rumors for the new movie that aren't worth sharing here as to what her parentage really is. Right. If it's true, which I'm not going to share here. Um that's one rumor not worth talking about as far as what we're talking about. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of hoping that, that they work out because they, it's just, just just be careful now there's the there's clearly did, a connection that connection did feel really like it, it felt really organic in the last movie and that was one of the good things that i liked about last jedi was ray and kylo ren's connection and and how they're both trying to figure that out like if ray's trying to figure something out it's that and it was actually kind of refreshing yeah I, you know I, I think it's an interesting part it's one part of the yeah criticism that isn't part of the criticism is that the the whole dynamic there and with Kylo Ren, he's kind of above this. It's because it feels organic. It's not being shoved down people's throats. Yeah. He's taking turns that you didn't see coming, but okay, I could kind of go with this. It's working. You know, other parts, not so much. All right, so now let's talk about a little bit about uh, where we're going and what the future is. And you got two perspectives now. As of the time we're recording this, Disney Plus has just launched as of midnight this morning, the last night, however you want to look at it, and that includes the first chapter of The Mandalorian. It's got a lot of good buzz. There has been early screen. People are saying this is really, really good. Now, of course, the last chapter, an eight-part series of the first season, will come out, I think, just before the end of the year. Early good buzz. John Favreau is behind this one, and he's got a great track record, and it's apparently working. Awesome. So whatever interference may be causing with the big screen issues where people are leaving apparently is not affecting the TV version or the streaming version, however you want to define it now in the 21st century with changing dynamics. So that one looks to be, as far as we can tell, good. Let's hope that the series and the, and the, the arc of the stories for the whole first eight episodes are going to come to a good conclusion, even if it's a cliffhanger leading to the second season, which there will be. Um, let's hope that it goes well. And so far, all indications are that it is. And we've got the Ben Kenobi limited yeah. series that is on the way as well, which is going to be basically like your television uh, limited series kind of event. But yeah. it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, Ewan McGregor's back, and it would be, I would assume, they haven't really done said a lot specifically, but i got to think it's after he's gone into exile on Tatooine. So yes. in between episodes three and four would be my guess. Uh, and his age would be appropriate for that. It'd be closer to what Alec Guinness was when he filmed those roles. But uh, so now you have the rise of Skywalker and the problems that are coming with it. So you've got the rumor is that you've got. So J.J. Abrams is in to direct this after Colin Trevorrow left. So the indications are, and this is getting sort of back into spoiler mode now, but kind of an interesting behind the scenes, but there's a lot of different sources that are coming forth pretty much saying the same thing. So take this with a grain of salt, but it does seem to be based on some sort of potential reality. You have uh, a situation where you have J.J. Abrams directing and Kathleen Kennedy in his corner. They came up with their version. They screened it, and it did not go well. And so the movie is in its own issues. So... Now, you have Bob Iger, who's in charge of Disney, who can have some say over this, stands up, says, hey, this is bad. 
we are ordering reshoots to the point now where it's rumored that filming this movie with all the reshoots and the extensive re-reshoots, this movie's production is going to be somewhere north of $300 million, and that is way on the high end. So now they have another version, which tested better, but still not very good. George Lucas apparently was brought in as emergency help, and he came in with some ideas, and so they did some editing adjustments. That's to bring saying in. something. If that's true, yeah. wow. So that version has apparently tested the best of any of them, and they've, they have had some pre-screenings, and they've had enough pre-screenings that A, have not gone well, but B, are starting to leak out what was coming in those screenings. Now, those test screenings are a work in progress. What was screened in those screenings may very well be changed, could very well happen, but there is a version somewhere that exists where those did happen, most likely. And the word is, the rumor is that the final version, they're, they're a month and a half away from release now. So you don't have the, uh, unless you're going to change the release date and say, look, we got to, we really got to do month something. Month and here. a half. We're a month out. Yeah. Dave. they a were, month. But they were filming this movie roughly two weeks ago, a re-re-reshoot. So you're to the point now where if you're going to hold on to that date, you got to lock this thing down. Yeah. The talk is that... There's not any one of those versions which is going to be held up. It's going to be kind of a version, a, com- a kind of Frankenstein version of a lot of these things. Oh, boy. But here's the problem. You've got two camps. You've got some fans that are new fans that weren't fans before that are kind of liking the new stuff that you got. You want to try to please them. You have the hardcore built-in fan group. You want to please them. You've got the woke, woke culture that's another group. You want to please them. If you are going to come up with a movie that's going to please any one of them, you're going to nork off the other two. And that's a big problem. So when the mm-hmm. end of a big, long thing like this has been going for 40 years, you need to end it well. And odds are that's not going to happen. And that's why I think it comes back to the the underlying truth of all of this. And that is that if you are going to have a whole grand plan of putting together a series of movies like this, a new trilogy like this, even if you don't have the specifics figured out, you've got to have a bare bones plan that exists of what exactly do you want to try to accomplish with this and how are you going to do it in terms of maintaining consistent story? Because it feels like with these characters and with this story in general, we still don't have enough enough in terms of detail, in terms of who exactly are these people and why are they compelling? It, it just it, it continues to feel flat in that regard, and I think the the inconsistencies in production and in terms of what they want to accomplish have been a big part of that bottom line. And I think it is then reflected in terms of how it all looks on screen and how the people themselves are coming across within the movies. And it, it's a sad tale of of just what. What can happen when you come into it thinking about what you stand to gain from it rather than what are we actually trying to produce here and how are we going to make it so that this is a compelling product? Because I still continue to believe, and you feel the same way, that the best Star Wars product that has been produced since Disney came, which may be one of the best Star Wars products ever, um, it's up in that category. Not not the best, clearly, but it's a good one, was Rogue One. I agree. That was a good movie. It was a very good movie. But but that's sad that it had to be uh, a Star Wars story, one of the spin-off tales that's been the best thing that's been produced so far. But it was done well, and it was done with good layered intrigue. 
and yet we we just have not seen that consistently enough with what you wanted to be your three main tent poles. And just because you have a troubled production doesn't mean that the product is going to be bad. Rogue One famously redid its entire third act. Yeah. You know, even you were getting up in arms. There were scenes in the trailer that never showed up anywhere in the movie. Yes. She's facing down a TIE fighter on a catwalk. Well, that wasn't in the movie. Right. Well, because they reshot a lot of it. And it was basically to simplify the plot, and I'd say it worked. It did. It was a good movie, final result, and I don't care what's in the trailer. It makes me want to see the movie. Sometimes they film things specifically for the trailer that are not going to have any intention of being in the movie. I don't Correct. care. The trailer isn't to start showing you scenes and show them pop up in the movie. It's to make you want to see the movie. And it's to get Kylo Ren reaction videos yeah. on, on YouTube. So, last point here that I'll make. This is kind of where all of this comes together. We don't have a plan, and especially if it doesn't betray the characters and where they've come from, and this woke culture come together. So, the biggest wrinkle that we're going to face now, unfortunately, was that Carrie Fisher passed away, Princess Leia, shortly after production on The Last Jedi, but roughly a year before the movie came out in theaters. Now, Carrie Fisher's brother had just come out very recently and said this was the plan for Leia in Episode Nine. is that she, and this is another big spoiler, but we've already said that about 12 times now, but your last chance. Um, she was going to be, as referenced in the title of episode eight, The Last Jedi, which had a lot of people like, what? So in episode eight, there's a moment where she gets blown out into space and has this Mary Poppins moment where she apparently has some strength with the Force. Now, she is the Skywalker because she's Luke's sister, but has never, ever, ever before shown any strength in the Force. Now, Lucas said, at one day, you'll learn how to use this too. How do you just learn to use the Force? You need to be taught this. Luke was. Why can't Leia? Why can't all these others? She is kind of, potentially, you're starting to see the groundwork laid in The Last Jedi, and then Luke's plan was always to pass away at the end of The Last Jedi, which is what happened, and then Leia was going to be the one to kind of train Rey with the final bits that she needed with the Force in The, for- in the Rise of Skywalker. So you have, you have two problems. It still prob- looks like that could be what may happen here. But how could you do it? And there's 15 minutes, roughly, of unused footage from episode seven and eight with Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher is not coming back to film Rise of Skywalker because she died before production started. They've also said we're not going to do the whole body double thing. We're going to use her shots. Now, maybe they'll you have to improvise some things, perhaps, and that's forgivable under the circumstances. But here's where we're getting at. Two things. One, you're betraying those stories, so the background of the character. Now, if Leia is strong with the Force, that's awesome. We'd love to see her go through this journey and become strong with the Force, but it has never been shown or alluded to. So how does she just become a Jedi Master that can train somebody else when there's no history of it at all? So Luke had to go through that. Leia can go through that. Leia's already a strong female character. You don't need to ram that part down the throats. Hardcore fans saw the Mary Poppins thing. They're like, what, what? doesn't hold up? Here's the other problem, is that she dies about a year before the movie comes out. You realize you have a problem. If she's going to be a major part of episode nine, which I think she should have been, well, just because of an act of God, you can't do that now. What do you do? You have to call an audible. Yeah. So if she gets blown out of the window and Mary Poppins her way in, now that she's passed away, maybe you change that plan. She gets blown out the window and dies does not come back. And that's a big moment of galvanizing whatever. And to trade that off, you need somebody to train Ray in episode nine. Luke's plan was to die. Now he doesn't die. You have to call an audible. And maybe Luke takes the role that Leia was going to take 
just for the sake of the story. Right. So whatever the story was going to be involving Leia, that should have been an audible that was called. And when this happened, they had plenty of time between her passing, unfortunately, and the release of the movie. Enough time to reshoot it. If Rise of Skywalker gives you any indication, they were filming that two months before the movie came out. There was plenty of time to make a, to call an audible and alter those plans. They didn't do it because we're going to have episode eight be what we want episode eight to be at the expense of episode nine. And now the indications are that episode nine is very potentially not going to be great. There are, the consensus is this with the test screenings. Most shows are broken up into three acts. The first act generally is considered very good. Second act, not so good. Third act has been the worst. They usually have a Metacritic score, you can call it, um, where it's 1 to 100. And one of those test screenings, uh, the score was 8. Again, this is rumor. This is rumor. Keep this in mind. This is, this is maybe, the- maybe this all looks and sounds really silly yeah. a month from now. Maybe. Yeah, I really maybe. and I, I want to say this. I am not wanting to be the guy that's going to tear down everything because I want to tear it down. Like right. I said, I'm kind of a gatekeeper on Star Wars. I It's real special to me, and I want to see it treated with but, reverence and respect. I don't want to see it into the ground. I but you see try it. not to get swept up in the fan tidal wave. Yeah, right? I, I, I'm not a toxic fan. I'm not sending threatening emails to members of the cast, which people have done, and now... You know, Daisy Ridley is off social media, and I mean that's that's it's cruel. Jake Lloyd, who played young Anakin Skywalker, he did exactly what what George Lucas told him to do, but because he they did, the fans didn't like where things went, he's I think he's got like serious mental issues now. Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks, who I'm not a big fan of the character, this is a guy that famously contemplated jumping off a bridge as suicide because how much people were so uptight with Jar Jar Binks, and they took it out on this guy. Guys, this isn't cool. At right. some point, there's a line, and that is well crossed. And it'd be a shame if it if it stops up some of the careers of these people because I I like oh, it it. I like Daisy Ridley a lot. Yeah, but you, you haven't seen her in a whole lot outside of Star Wars, and like you said, with her being off social media, that's that's frustrating too. I think Adam Driver is fantastic. He's yeah. done great stuff dabbling into other projects outside of Star Wars since he's gotten into Star Wars. He's been a great a great story outside of just you know in terms of producing a new a new person for other roles and and I mean it's great seeing him you know in one other of, stuff one of the things I I'll call out Star Wars fans some that I know that are very vitriol about this hate is the way to the dark side if you claim to take all these treasures and these lessons that Star Wars have taught you why aren't you executing them right hate is the lead of the you don't have to like it you can even voice your displeasure, but there's a point. Hate leads to the dark side. It's a, it's a path of dark things, and it leads to pain, leads to suffering. Clearly it has. Go go Google Jake Lloyd. I think people have forgotten what some of the central themes and tenets of Star Wars are because it's, it's about, that's part of what makes it special. It's, it's gotten into online bullying, and if honestly, there's no difference between seeing a girl in your school and saying something horrible about her on social media and for some reason thinking that it doesn't count because it's not in real life. That stuff, those are slings and arrows in a digital world. It ain't cool, yeah. and it does have side effects and i mean jake lloyd i think last i heard is in some sort of an asylum of some sort some sort of a mental breakdown or has spent some time there ahmed best who played jar jar clearly has talked openly about uh close to suicide because of things like this you've got a lot of you know ryan johnson who directed the last jedi he's had a huge fan backlash 
and social media issues. In fact, his new movie coming out, Knives Out, he said was somewhat inspired by this toxic fan backlash. It's it's good to have a voice. It's good to have an opinion. But at some point, you got to check it at the door. It is out of control. It is. And I think it's it is worth pausing over as we get ready for this final movie that you can have your opinions you can like it or dislike it but you've got to make sure you draw a line as well on how you are a fan and what you perceive your ownership of the content to be you've got to slow that roll you really do and 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 stop being so tribal about it as well because i think that's a, a big piece of it too and and it's a it's a stern warning for all fan culture of, of various Beyond entities. fan culture, politics and life in really? general. And yeah, people, exactly. People to live down the street that sports. disagree with you. Yeah. I see this happen in sports all the time. It happens in yeah. all arenas now. And it's, it's you know, you want to think of us moving forward as a culture, this ain't it. You know, it's and it's it's become exactly tribal and extremely polarized. You either are you either are fully for it or fully against it. There is no gray. Here's a secret to the world, everybody. The world and the reality exists in the gray. Lighter or darker, it's in the gray. It's not or that's it. I don't agree with that. Life's a buffet table and there's things on both tables worth taking. You don't have to subscribe to one and ignore the rest. You know, And if you can kind of drop that a little bit and really just kind of use your common sense, have your opinion, have your voice. But look up from your paper just a minute, your war manual, and see what's actually going on, and go with that. And if you see a movie, when Rise of Skywalker comes out, I I really hate to say this, and I really mean that, I think there's going to be a lot of people, if we go and see this movie together, I think there's going to be a huddle again out in the lobby where we're going to be like, man, Jesus, just drop the ball. But it is what it is. And it's not, you know, George Lucas, I think he was one of the first big targets of this. People told me, man, I ruined their childhood. And I just, I think he just was tired of Star Wars. I think while there was a treatment for episode seven, eight, and nine that he wrote, I don't think he was ever going to do it because no. he went through the fire going through the prequel trilogy and all the backlash he got and the, and the stars got that I don't think he wanted to put up with it again. And I think he made some missteps on the prequel trilogy. I agree. I agree. And yet at the same time, he ended on a great note. With Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, that was that is, a good that one. That is an excellent movie with the way that they bridged the gap from those movies into the new ones. They uh, they produced a star in Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I mean, he was outstanding as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, we got great moments. Darth Maul, an iconic yeah. character. We got him out of all of that. So popular, they resurrected him. Right, exactly, which I, I still can't quite wrap my mind around. But um, they did, and, and even the transition of Vader uh, of Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker to Vader was done very well in the final movie with kind of a redemptive performance from Hayden Christensen in some ways. Kind of a you redemptive know, performance. You know, so. there there's a strong rumor and innuendo that he's going to be back in at least one of the versions of uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh my gosh. There's this rumor that he is part of the last battle against Palpatine, but that was one of the later versions when they did a reshoot. Now, will that stick? Will that finally be the one that airs, or you know, who knows? There's, like I said, six <laughs> versions of this movie, but right now this is this is getting crazy. I, I'll tell you the craziest of the bunch. One of them, and apparently this came from George Lucas. There's a secret Skywalker that. Nobody, oh my gosh, that's what I saw on on when that, I googled that it. That no, like, that nobody what? knows about. What's the? 
That's that is oh. the that is the worst grasp of desperation when it comes to a story. What? It's like it's like watching a murder mystery, but then you find out the murderer actually wasn't in the show at all, and, exactly. show, and it comes walking through the door at the end that you've never seen. Well, I'm the one that did it. So there's no way you could have guessed it. It is cheap and it's horrible. And if if any story does that, shame on them. And if Star Wars comes up with a secret Skywalker that nobody knew about or ever spoke about, uh. shame on you. But that's apparently one of the versions that is out there. So of the numerous versions, whether Hayden Christensen is back finally in the final cut as Anakin because he is in one of the other cuts. If that happens, okay, depending on how they do it, I guess. But What? He- piece of space driftwood did Palpatine hang on to that allowed yeah. him to land with the Death Star on this watery <laughs> planet? I it's, don't know. This is going to be an interesting one, but here's the reality. You're going to have a large swath of this fan base, whatever version it is, that is not going to be happy. Maybe some will and some many won't. Uh, so now what are you going to do? You're going to scream at the actors. You're going to scream at Kathleen Kennedy. You're going to scream at Disney. You're going, you know, there's more things coming. The Skywalker saga is over. This will be the last episode Star Wars movie. There won't be an episode ten. There will be more things. They're working on a whole new trilogy, rumored to be about the formation of the Jedi. And personally, I would just like to see him go forward instead of exploring things from the past. Just come up with something different, so you know it doesn't have to end in a particular point. Go from the future and just keep enough with prequels and let's explore something from the past. Sometimes having a mythical quality of I wonder what it would be is good enough to explore it. Everyone has their own ideas, and not everyone's going to be satisfied. If that was the case. Then all the stuff that had been created, all of the fan fiction things that had been created, all of the books that had been created, it would have been nice to keep those things as canon rather than calling them legends. Yeah, you know, just keep going forward. Apparently the Mandalorian just takes a place in a very dark corner of the Star Wars universe that has never been explored before. Maybe cameos. That's moving forward. And that's moving forward. That's good. So you don't necessarily have an expectation. And Star Wars has always been about a Western in space. This movie is pretty much almost verbatim a Western. It looks like the lone gunslinger in space. That's what Star Wars is. So that's awesome. Trying to explain. We've said that before, but... It, this is going to be one of those where there's going to be a very difficult Christmas for some Star Wars fans coming up, but what are you going to do about it? That's right. Going crazy online and just sending out hate and venom is not the way to do it. You know, whatever happens, if this isn't profitable and it bombs at the box office and people aren't going to the theme park, they're going to figure it out. And if people that are there that are in charge that have not been doing a good job, they won't be in charge for long. And other people like, say, John Favreau, who I've got a lot of confidence in, who's done the first two Iron Man movies and now he's doing The Mandalorian to some good response. And other people, Kevin Feige has now left Marvel and is over, they're all with Disney, but now he's working with Star Wars. So there will be something coming down the road and what he's done with Marvel, if he can do that with Star Wars. Better things are coming. Not every team wins every season. John Favreau feels like a fan working as a director. And, that's, and I think that's part of what makes him successful. I think so, too. And I think there's too many people that, well, I would like this agenda to go forward. Yeah, but what about the story? Yeah, we'll get to that, too. No, that's where it's got to start. You know, you've got yeah. to start with a good story. You don't do it just to do it. If we're, not, if we're working on a new trilogy of movies, that's great. Are you just doing it to do a trilogy, or do you really have a good idea? That's right. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater. 
And we're not just doing a podcast to do a podcast. We're doing a we long. Lo- we how like long is this think- one? It's a longer one. Yeah, a little bit longer. Hopefully, people have hung in there with us through it. But we got we had a lot to unpack. It felt like so it was it was a good time to be able to do it. Plus, for you and me, we were just itching to get back and do this thing. Again. Yeah. So we're glad we could rejoin you for Rick and Nick Talk Flicks today, and we will see how it all breaks down with Rise of Skywalker in mid December. I hope in two months I listen to this podcast. And I'm, wow, we were way wrong. I really, ho- I really sincerely hope that we will more than likely do a post Rise of Skywalker podcast episode. Um, we may give it a little bit of time afterward just to kind of let things settle, but and and just get get our reactions then uh, rather than an instant react kind of thing. Maybe we'll do an instant react. I, I told it took Who a knows? year and a half for me to figure out the Last Jedi and. I just, I don't like it. Yeah. Not like I will never watch it again, but it's just, you know. It bothered you. Yeah. It, well, some of it was just basic literary things. Just real quick, you had the whole Poe Dameron side thing. It went nowhere. You had the whole thing with, with Rose and with Finn. It went nowhere. And they ultimately go back where they started. It was That's basically. That's why I said the characters feel flat. Finn, we don't have any depth on him. Poe, we don't have any depth not, on him. Not even the characters, their storyline. And the main yeah. MacGuffin of that movie was basically the OJ chase, a slow speed oh, chase through word. space. You have got to be kidding me. There are so many plot holes in there. You could drive a stu- superstar destroyer through the plot holes. The Star Wars reference for you. You, could, you know, yes. you could navigate the Starkiller base, which is the biggest of all of them, through the plot holes. It was just. Some six-year-old wrote that story. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was not good, and um, not that it doesn't have some redeeming moments and redeeming features, but it uh, that movie really needs to be unborn and rethought out. So sadly, anyway, yeah, yes. it's too late now. But anyway, I really hope we'll look back at this and say Star Wars didn't get as bad as we thought it could have been, and I think the future is going to look better. But right now, we. I think they're, hopefully they're re- the powers that be are realizing we can't just go do this to do this. We need to know what we're doing and you know have some degree of oversight, but we also need to have some freedom to do what we're going to do. So I hope so. Yeah. All right. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you in a galaxy far, far away and at, at the, the movies. movies.